So people have to feel empowered. They have to feel like they can think this way. Right. So that's why my company is called Meta Helm. The Meta indicates, let's change the way we change. See what I mean? It's like in the inset, at the inset of the process is really, it's going to be a different process from the get. Welcome back to part two of my conversation with Guillaume Biatra. In this two-part conversation, we are exploring his strategic narrative model. With this framework, Guillaume supports CEOs, founders, and business owners of transformative companies, align their teams, and accelerate innovation for adoption. In part one, we reviewed the parallels between how we use strategic narrative as individuals, as well as how we use it as an organization. Now, in part two of this conversation, we're going deeper into the application of the model at the organizational level, and we'll learn how the strategic narrative model approach can help us align our leadership, culture, sales, and marketing. If you feel like the parts of your business occasionally compete against one another, you're going to love this approach. Thank you for being here. Hello, my name is Mary Maduna Gross, and you're listening to Fully Alive, the podcast for conscious entrepreneurs who are hungry to live their purpose, expand their impact, and create with ease. Because, again, I, I want to back up just a minute. Mm -hmm. As an individual, when we're operating from our narrative, it's that lens, right? It's the lens that we're looking through, and we are, may not even be aware that this is a lens and that other possibilities also exist. Right. How does an organization start to do that examination? Well, same thing as you described here. We, the, the organization and it has, to be, it has to be initiated by someone in the organization. Very traditionally, it's the CEO. Uh, my, okay. Most of my clients are CEO leadership teams, people in the position of power who can say, hey, let's look at this. Mm -hmm. um, it depends. I, I, I don't want to overgeneralize, but the, uh, it depends. The, on the structure of the organization. I also work with more distributed organizations. They don't look okay. like a pyramid, they look like a network. And that ask, that realization can come from anyone. But most traditionally, it's a leadership level that we are going to start examining symptoms like, you know, we don't feel to be, we don't, we don't feel like we're as relevant as we used to be in our market. Mm -hmm. We have trouble hiring. It's difficult to come up quickly with the right product and, and an affordable cost. Mm -hmm. We're seeing that something is not clicking anymore. It's misaligned. Like we're, yeah. we're feeling like that some, something is weird. It's, go, it's going on. It's a narrative is very intangible. We most of the time don't always see it written down. It, yeah. Sometimes it's very silent. It's how people show up, their behavior, their habits is very unconscious. So, so. An organization and an individual, both levels, need to start there, realizing that there is probably a new way to look at things. It's the first, it's the very first step. So uh, that's why when the first, the first thing I do with everyone that is interested in working with my approach, I start by showing them examples of other people, other organizations, other. So I have, I, I work with solopreneurs very often, and and show them. Um, other examples, uh, other ways that they could uh, use to create a practice that not only is successful, but is, but they also love. 
and telling them that, hey, you know, the, the ways you've, you've adopted to operate are, are used to be good or they're, they're what they are. Mm -hmm. There are other methods. Let's open up our field of vision here. Right. Very, very first step is awareness. It's just change process. I'm describing right. probably something, Murray, that you go, yeah, I know exactly what he's talking about. You know, the first, the first level is awareness. And mm -hmm. then the second step is to look at this, at the situation from a holistic standpoint. As you said earlier, there are things that are external and, th and things that are internal, um, collective and individual. So I built a framework that is called the Strategic Narrative Canvas. It's a very simple map. It's a square with four divided into four squares where we can now map what we're seeing inside, outside the organization, and at an individual level and at a collective level. Um, and so the reason why I will uh, typically start with a leadership level is because it's, it's, a, it's not a very traditional way to change uh, how a, a company operates. So people have to feel empowered. They have to feel like they can think this way. Right. So that's why my company is called Meta Helm. The Meta indicates, let's change the way we change. See what I mean? It's like, right. yeah. In the inset, at the inset of the process is really, it's going to be a different process from the get. So you start with that. You start by mapping out what is it that you see inside and outside collectively and, and outside. And most of the time, people are going to be very good at surfacing problems. Right. Now we're seeing, you know, this in our customers, with our customer service team, say, or I have a client um, who, um, who noticed that, that, uh, their product development team was all motivated and fired up and really working super efficiently, but not really developing the thing that people want. Oh, right? okay. There's a, there's a disconnect with their narrative yes. and the narrative outside. So now the work consists of how do we, how do we reconcile those two? How do we reconnect them together? So these are, these are just examples. Um, I worked with, so let me, let me throw more examples here. Okay. Um, I worked with Alaska Airlines when they merged with Virgin America. It was about seven years ago, I would say. Okay. And we knew that for this merger to succeed, we had to have two cultures come together. Yes. A culture very grounded in safety, long tradition of um, a local airline used to serve a community, very distributed, very dispersed community in Alaska in the Northwest and a much younger culture of high energy, uh, uh, I would say uh, way lower risk aversion, um, looking at finances completely differently. And we, we brought those two culture in the same room through a series of workshops. And what we did is that we, we let both teams of managers and, and, and there, there, it, was a, it was a large number of people. So we did this through, through different sessions. And we let those, uh, and we prepare with them, we let both culture express their stories, like what they had experienced. So for Alaska Airlines, it, it needed a little more, a little more time because the company at the time was over, I think, or, or uh, close to a hundred years old or, or oh. something like this. So we, we, we literally drew the timeline, uh, which is a, a 16, uh, 60 foot long timeline on a really oh, wow, big, yeah. really big paper, for, you know, imagine a giant flip chart, 16. 16 feet wide. 16 yeah, all feet wide, around the room, right? Around, around the room. And just we went step by step through the 
the triggering events that that forged that culture and and we to the best of our ability we picked the narrative that was the most coherent for each of the stories and we let we let virgin america's managers do that so that's that's how we operate a, and that's how, how we operate narrative change at a corporate level. You ask me, how does an organization approaches this? Right. It's through recognition that we have different stories and we need to be able to share those stories. Um, I want to uh, do a complete shift here in our conversation and take the example of me as a parent, right? Okay. Um, and let, I, I, run, I run this uh, little corporation of two adults and two kids here in my house, little company. And, um, and, and I'll, I'll just use the metaphor here. If my, if my kids were my employees say, and I want them to behave a certain way, uh, be on time for dinner and uh, wear their helmet when they, um, when they ride their bikes, um, I have to, I can't just tell them wear your helmet, be on time. I have to explain, I have to give them context for why this feels important to me. Right. Sure. And very, very often time, we have family time, we have family meetings typically on Sunday and we sit down and I tell them stories about my childhood and things that I experienced. And I tell them uh, to, as, as best as I can, if there are things that I am against or I am for, if there are things that traumatize me or that I was excited about. And I give them as much visibility as, as possible. So that's how narrative changes, like through sharing our stories and, and, and recognizing that we all have a different way to look at those stories. Right. Is that helpful? It is helpful. Um, give me a minute. There's a lot going through my brain right now. Mm -hmm. um, one, of, one of those questions that's bouncing around here is that we often, it's not uncommon to hear about stories and narratives relative to marketing, right? right. Mm -hmm. um, but what I'm hearing from you, and, and when I first saw your content, mm -hmm. that's, that my assumption was, oh, this is, you know, marketing and, and this is how we create the, the story about what our product and what we can do. Yep, yep. But what I'm listening to you now, there is... So the marketing may just be one element of what, how we use the narrative, but narrative to me, the way I'm hearing you describe it now, isn't just about marketing. In fact, it feels more about leadership and culture. And then from leadership and culture, then marketing is going to do its job according to the narrative. And, and um, other departments are also going to align with a central narrative. Am I getting this right? You're touching on the number one mistake that I see most entrepreneurs commit is to think that storytelling for business is just a marketing thing. Okay. They think about it as a wrapper that you put around the company that hides everything and that will hook people, that will mesmerize them, that will hypnotize them so that you see your numbers of likes on social media grow and your numbers of leads and all of that approach to me is nonsense. Okay. It's unsustainable. It will, it will work for a short amount of time. Mm -hmm. But until people discover really who you are as a company, yeah. what is your culture, 
And that's very easy these days. Just call customer service. Just meet one of your employees in the street or um, just listen to a CEO uh, talk at a conference. It's very, very easy. I mean, 10, I'll say 15 now to 20 years ago, there was this, this, this wall between uh, the outside world and the inside of the organization. Not anymore. Not anymore. I work with CEOs who get questions from customers directly as they are having a, a board meeting. Wow. They have to take a question immediately because it's a very sensitive question. They have to answer in through, through social media or text or, uh, so, so, so the interactions have completely changed. So therefore thinking about business storytelling just as a marketing thing is, is nonsense. Sorry. <laughs> very no, limited. I, I, that's very limited. why I wanted to bring that up because I think that's right. really important because we could miss the whole boat here. Exactly. If that's exactly. where our mindset is. Exactly. So now, now that being said, marketing is a crucial role in that I'm not discounting the role of marketing. It's, it's very, very important. In fact, I've, I have, I, I, I touch on four main disciplines in my, in my, um, in, with my model. One of them is called meaningful marketing, right? Mm -hmm. sure. But equal, equally important is visionary leadership mm -hmm. and purposeful operations, which includes your culture and your team. Right. And the fourth one is authentic selling. So what, I'm, what we're discussing here, Mary, and you really picked up on this, is a, a new paradigm, a new way to look at an organization from the standpoint of how we make sense of our stories. It's not, it's not anymore just a marketing or advertising thing. And we're seeing it. Advertising agencies know this very well. They've, they've seen their traditional business um, plummet because they understand that they can't just be working uh, on the billboard facet of marketing, right? It's not right. just about the ads. It's also about the alignment with the culture. They know that they, they will have to help organizations um, address questions like diversity and inclusion, um, like financial responsibility, like sustainability, all of, this, all of the big topics that society cares about, right, mm -hmm. is now also uh, in the mix. So we, we can't just exclude the rest and say, oh, yeah, let's just build the facade outside. It's just a website thing. Um, I was just on a sales call yesterday with a potential client of mine. I'm very happy to see that they invited the marketing person in the conversation mm -hmm. and also the HR person in the conversation. Excellent. It was, it was a really, it was a great sign. I, I actually commended them for them. I, say, I said, you know, I, I, I see here it's a demonstration that you get mm -hmm the approach, you get the power of what we could be doing together. Yeah. So what, what's going through my mind as you're describing that, and especially the um, various applications, marketing, sales, operations, leadership, mm -hmm. um, again, going back to the individual, that is, as an individual, we, we have our stories, we have our narratives, mm. but um, we often focus on just what we're doing. And I hear you kind of say that too. Like we could have, we are all operating, our organizations are all operating from a narrative, but if these, and these parts of our business, the leadership, the operations, sales and marketing are all operating from their own narrative, there's not, a, a, there's not anything cohesive and, and it feels like it's something I'm doing. Right. We have the billboards, we have the social media thing or, you know, mm -hmm. sales has their systems in place. And so we can all say, yeah, we, we're doing the right things. But if we're not being 
the same organization. We're kind of fighting against one another. Is that true? Yeah, yeah it, it stems from the fact that building narrative power is a combination of three things. First of all, it's what you say, sure, but just that's just the tip of the iceberg. Okay. But it's most importantly how you think, and that's the silent conversation. That's a silent conversation in the room. And thirdly, how you act. Mm -hmm. So when I show up, uh, I facilitate uh, leadership meetings all you know every week with with uh, different different organizations, and. You know, there's someone, uh, we, we always make sure we take good notes and so on. That's the verbal, that's the express facet. And I always look at the nonverbal conversation. Uh, and so that's my skill set here. I'm, I'm skilled, yeah. I'm, I'm trained to do that. Or you, you as yeah. well, Mary, as a coach. Yeah. I know that from you. We are skilled to recognize or see some signs that help us, uh, you know, follow the, follow the lead here, follow the red, the red thread and right. ask questions that get to the unspoken side of the story. So yeah. there are three things, three facets. Um, visible facet is all the communication piece, uh, written, verbal, video these days, social media and all that. And then how we act. So actions, behaviors, I call them practices mm -hmm. because I, I've kind of codified them uh, to help, you know, I, I, I broke them down into 12 main practices for people to have visibility and understand how they work and, and mindset, like what is happening in your, in your, in your mind. So now, uh, I think an, a, it's something that people might be interested in, in, in hearing is that when you have an organization, uh, we have broken down the roles in that organization. Some people take care of finance and marketing. Right. And I mean, that's, that's the traditional, uh, you know, way to method of, of breaking down those roles. But when you are a solopreneur, you wear all those hats. Right. You have multiple hats, depending on the, on the time of the day and the, and the day right. of the week. <laughs> you exactly. You're the finance person. You're the marketing person. Oh, and now you're the, 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 the podcast, <laughs> the podcast, right. Mary. Right. And then next, next hour, you have to deliver the work or sell the work and so on. So things get a little more uh, messy and, and muddy because more of that system, that complex, already complex thing, happens in your brain and happen with the same body, right? Right. So, so it requires extra vigilance and, and a sounding board and, and a mirror to help you look at these different things. So for instance, um, one of the things that I always see, pretty much always see with solopreneurs who uh, want to be in the expertise business. So people like you and I, right? Yeah. We sell our expertise and is, is, a, is a gap between what we are trying to express verbally, consciously with our very logical brain in our writing, our content, and how we operate from a sales standpoint. We actually shortcut ourselves very often time. We... We build narrative power on one end by sharing great content, exploring and cultivating deep expertise like you do with your magazine and your podcast and so on. And then when we talk to people and, and, and sell them our expertise, uh, we destroy that narrative power by doing things like letting clients lead in the sale, mm. not having, not giving them a proper visibility about how the sale is going to work. How many, how many meetings are, are we going to have? Right. We never question. It's kind of a common practice to give like a free consult. Sure. But free consult means cheap, means it has no value. Why would, why would we have a free consult? What's the intent? 
Mm-hmm. I challenge that with my clients and they say, and they say, well, you're right. Yeah, why, why am I? Um, yeah. And then we talk a little bit and they say, well, I'm having a free consult because I'm, I'm scared. I'm, I'm afraid that I'm going to work with the wrong client, that people are not going to see my value. So based on that, we may think about different methods. Mm. You, could, you could offer, like if, if the point is to demonstrate expertise, Mm-hmm. And which is very, very, it's great. It's right, right? If the point is give people ex, uh, access to your expertise and give them a sample of how, of what right. you do, right? Why don't you uh, record a, say, a coaching session and post it on your website uh, with, obviously, with uh, the concept, permission. the permission, yeah. the content. Yeah, yeah. And a very, very, a very easy method is to say, hey, I will be um, giving uh, 10 free sessions, you know, next month. Um, and, and, that's the, and that's the deal. You get the free session, but you give me permission. If that's okay, and we, we can assess that after the recording, right? Sure, we, sure. We can, we can make sure everyone is comfort, comfortable and then share those sessions online. And, and there, therefore, when someone is hesitant about working with you and you want to address that need, you can point to your already pre-recorded free session and, and not waste time. Right. So okay. now the free session is really creating an asset. Exactly. That will help me with sales in the future. Exactly. So that's that's one of the many examples that I see in the, the things that kind of shortcuts the narrative power we're trying to build. On one hand, we're really great at, with all our ideas. And then when we behave in the sale, we just kind of trip, which is like, I don't know. How much will this go? Oh, I, I'm not sure. We, we have all those moments of hesitation, right? Yeah. Um, and so I'm, I'm, I'm the perfect, I'm the leaving example of that. You know, I, 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 I came up with those things because I experienced them myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, for many years, it was before Metahelm. I, like I said, I, I, I started other consulting firms and we're just selling in a, such a clumsy and nonsensical way, which just now I look at it, I'm, I'm laughing. I'm just like, oh my gosh, I'm so embarrassed. If only people knew. Right, right. We share those horror stories. So yeah. that these are these are examples of how how you you build the you know you said earlier uh, I think you you were you used the word coherence or congruence right and how you build a willful firm you know determined stable mm-hmm. a bit um, I would encourage people also in their narrative to think about what is the a bit of the rebellious side to you because that, you know, being a little bit outside the normal track helps you stand out, differentiates you. Sure. And explore that side in your, in your narrative. I'll, I'll pause here because I could go on and on and all yes. the day with that. Well, I, I've really, my goodness, uh, this conversation has exceeded my hopes and expectations because I, I really love getting into this with you and really understanding it. Mm-hmm. And from my perspective, and, and I hope that the listeners are able to make these connections too, it's really an extension of the work we do as an individual mm-hmm. to our organization. You know, as I'm hearing you say some of this, we can create these lovely narratives and then we go out and do something that is contrary to what we've said we wanted to do. We do that as individuals too. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Say, and we, we say, we, you know, with our families and friends and you know, do what I say, don't do what I yeah. do. <laughs> yes, exactly. And and this is really bringing that, it, going back to what I was saying before, it's, it's not just looking for a quick fix. How do I fix my marketing? How do I fix my sales? How do I fix my culture? We're getting to the root of everything. And then if all of our 
uh, systems align with our narrative, then we are going to have a sustainable, cohesive organization. Is that true? Everything is routine into conscious. And that's why I wanted to have this conversation, Mary, given the work that you do with conscious entrepreneurship is everything is, is rooting into higher level of consciousness, of higher degree of awareness, you know, understanding, and you're spot on. Beautiful. Mm -hmm. Is there anything that I haven't asked that you think I should have asked for our listeners? I have a longer list of questions for you. <laughs> One of the things, um, I guess what, what crossed my mind uh, uh, earlier is, uh, I don't know where to start, Mary. There would be another podcast, maybe. Okay. Maybe we do that. <laughs> okay, that sounds good. That sounds good. All right. Thank you again so much for sharing this with us mm -hmm. today. Where can the listeners learn more about you? Easiest method is to go to my website, metahelm.com, M-E-T-A-H-E-L-M.com. And on my website, you'll find a number of resources. You can uh, get my free ebook. And in 30 minutes, I think I read it to you through a video, get a high level sense and, and, and dig deeper into the concept we talked about today. Yes. There's also a free assessment called the Narrative Power Assessment that will give you a taste for 12 things you could be doing to increase narrative power for your business. You get that okay. result in, in about five minutes. And then I have a, a, a number of resources. I'm a pretty prolific writer and, and video publisher. I, I post a video almost every day on YouTube. So you'll find a plethora of things there that will orient you. Wonderful. Thank you so much for your time today, for being with me and sharing your expertise. Uh, it's just been absolutely fun for me. Likewise, Mary. Thank you so much. And I look forward to having a second chapter of our podcast here, diving even deeper next time. Oh, that'd be awesome. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Are you ready to play and experiment with these ideas so that you too can live your purpose, expand your impact and create with ease? Join us at Fully Alive on Facebook. We've created this space to explore the effects these practices and principles can have on your own experience. And if you're feeling the nudge to explore what coaching can do for you, send me an email at mary at bluebambooleadership.com. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, be fully alive.